Welcome back to our podcast, Mum, Will the Planet Die Before I Do? If you like what you've listened to so far, please don't forget to subscribe on the link below to keep up to date with all the episodes in this series. In this episode, Babs and I chat to the Grammy nominee musician, Rocky Dawuni about parenting in a climate crisis in Ghana. Rocky has spent the last few years traveling the world for the UN as Goodwill Ambassador for Africa and is a proud climate activist. In this episode, Rocky shares the knowledge he's gained through his village's connection to the earth and what that can teach us about facing the obstacles that lie ahead. I was following COP just online from my house and I think the thing that struck me most was from the kids that really that demand for truth and that demand for honesty and that demand for truthfulness um and I guess from the kids you know they've been directing so much of the action haven't they um and I wonder how that sits with you like why adults maybe find it more difficult to come to this conversation about the climate crisis, the emergency, with that level of truth that the young people are kind of demanding of us? Well, it's also the whole thing that, you know, um, a lot of um, adults are representatives of their industries or, um, you know, their philosophies um, or their, you know, their political affiliation and how it views things or, you know, we've had the time to align ourselves with certain uh, viewpoints in the society. So sometimes when even we believe in the truth or we know the truth, um, we try to convey it without sacrificing that belief, you know, so or compromising that viewpoint everybody knows us for, you know. So like people know what to do. Everybody over there knows what to do. You know, the fossil fuel companies know what to do. The evidence is there, you know, the, uh, of... They're the just not doing it, though. They're just not doing ju- it. Just not doing it and coming and, you know, figuring out very creative ways of still passing the buck, you know, and looking good, you know. It's, you know, the, the, the greenwashing philosophy of the truth. You know, I feel that the truth gets greenwashed and... And the kids and, can and, see through it, though. It's the young no, people no, who can they, see yeah, through they, it. They can see through it. You know, it's like promising a young person a, a, a present for Christmas and then pretending that you forgot. You know that they're going to come exactly at morning when everybody wakes up and be like, where is that thing you promised? Because there's that purity of mm. the youth. And I think that is also a challenge for us that our survival uh, depends on also us dealing with what is truthful rather than the our affiliated or our the perspectives that will give us more power or give us more leverage we have a big 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 question to answer uh in terms of how we move forward on this you know you know people are more concerned about quarterly statements than what their business is doing to impact the earth even some of us who are out there on the street it's like soul searching for all of us. And I think that we, 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 we just have to face that and do what is right. Clean energy, um, justice, um, you, know, um, you know, righting historic wrongs for a lot of you know, indigenous people, African people, uh, true 
a new way of partnership that will also assist them to utilize sustainably the power that they have in a way that will benefit them and also benefit others, but not others coming to take it away from them and dispossess them out of all of it. So it's, it's almost like we need to reinvent the concept of who we are. And I think that it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, and I think the youth, that is what they are expecting of us. They're expecting of us to be grown-ups. <laughs> yeah, and that's hard. That's exactly. Hard for, that's hard for a lot of people. You know, there's a theme running through a lot of the interviews that we're doing for this podcast, which is, and you said it, a soul-searching mission. That's kind of what me and Katie are on, a soul-searching <laughs> mission. We're trying to get the answers about what we can do to help, but, but we feel the shame yes. living in a rich nation that's contributed to the problem. We feel the shame of being in a privileged situation where others have suffered the climate emergency and felt the reality of it we feel guilt we feel inaction we feel a bit paralyzed because our leaders are not necessarily listening to us the way we want to then we feel scared because our kids are like what are you doing and we're like we're just trying to feed you and put you to bed on time and make sure that you have a bath and it's like that's the soul searching mission but listening to you I sort of feel like it's okay to be exploring those questions because together we're in the same situation almost, even though our experiences are so wildly different. Yes, yes. We're coming to it from a point of just wanting to hope and try. Yes, and then a point of also knowing that there are certain uh, problems that will pull all of us onto the table as one family to stop our bickering so that we solve it. You know, sometimes you need a certain uh, issue that transcends uh, race, color, identity, and nationality for you to also value uh, how connected we all are, you know. Like COVID it's, did. You know, yes, 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 you know. And, 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 and this climate thing is also showing us, you know, that you know, if you're, you know, you're polluting somewhere, you know, it's the same, the air moves around when you go to bed, you know, you're done, you don't determine where the air goes and, you know, the water you pollute, you put your stuff into the ocean and then you're like, oh, nobody saw me. And then it gets into the Gulf Stream, it gets all this and then it transports itself to some people and somewhere who don't have anything to do with it and they suffer the consequences. So, it, it, it's the, how connected we all are. And I feel that it's, we're being confronted to see that, but as to if we're gonna use that in a way that will, will, will harmonize, you know, kind of our relationship to each other, to deal with each other equitably and, you know, and, 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 and make sure that the right is done and not, a whole competition of nations and businesses and you know geopolitics and all of these things that uh, in the long run they look like they're important in the bigger picture but when we have to deal with the fundamentals like hey you know um you know what does my you know my, what will my child eat you know how do i deal with my something that is real then all of those things don't play a big role you know and i feel that we need to bring ourselves right to that point. And I think that the children and the youth are showing us, you know, the, the, the way, you know, they're, they are true 
you know, they've come right of the room where you're like, oh, sit and do your homework. And you're like, okay, I'll sit. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do my homework. Why? Because what, what will I need a homework for if you broke the planet, mm. you know? So I, it's like a well, That's what question. Willem said to you, Katie, that's, right? That's what he said to me. The kids are kind of saying to us, you know, look at what you're doing and really forcing us to look at our lifestyles, look at the science. Yes. And I think maybe as adults, we got a bit arrogant of like, oh, you know, this is something can, that can be sorted. And I personally feel a bit humbled by my kids challenging me on this or the kids in their hundreds of thousands striking on Fridays, sacrificing their education yes, for this yes. cause. You know that, so I don't know whether that brings adults globally around the table with a bit more humility. It, 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 I think, I think. Or it does, does it do the opposite? Or, should or does it, it yeah. make the, Or does it make them go, you know what? <laughs> Not our problem. <laughs> no, I think, you know, you obviously we're human. So we are susceptible to, you know, variable, amounts of emotion. So I think we'll go in between the two for a bit and then we settle on, uh, you know, but I feel that um, it, it's the, 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 the sense of humility in terms of that, first of all, they're paying attention, you know, and secondly, that they're watching now, you know, so it was like, why didn't you do this? You know, so it's like, we're being judged by a generation that is looking to pass judgment on us, you know? And I feel that the, another thing too, that is a bit missing from us too, is like that real connectivity to nature and nature education and, you know, and, and just honoring, you know, the beauty of, you know, Kind of, I wouldn't say, you know, because I think that, if, you know, industrialization and everything is all good, but the, the costs, we should have measured the cost as something that should have empowered and protected our earth rather than something that in the long run created even a bigger cost for us, you know, so, mm. you know, I, I... I almost feel like when I gave birth or we give birth to the next, there, there should be a little, yeah, I know we get the books about how to parent or whatever, but there should be another little manual there, like, this is what your child's going to face in a climate emergency. This is what children have faced. This is what you need to do. And that yes. word resilience just keeps coming up, doesn't it, Katie? Like so many people we've spoken to are like, build that resilience in your children because it's trying to work out what we can do for them. And, and whilst I understand you're saying, you know, action on a local le level, being out there in nature, being rooted, being grounded, being aware. Yes. I wonder if that is enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also enough because you start understanding uh, the most important things about survival. You know, when, when the systems don't work, it's going to be you and the earth and the plants. So your ability to know the medicines that I implant, the healing, you know, um, you know I mean, I'll, I come to my, 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 my village here. And you know, it's like thousands and thousands of years of R&D, of knowledge and setting, you know, remedies and all of that, that has brought them all the way before they even met the modern world who told them, hey, you're wrong. It's like, why are we wrong? We've done this for a thousand years and it's worked. We're here mm -hmm. now. To build resilience, resilience comes with the knowledge and knowledge of your home and 
harmonizing yourself and aligning yourself to your home in a way that when everything else does not work, you have the ability to go to the ground, grow your own food, uh, you know, create, uh, you know, a circular economy, uh, you know, build, you know, energy systems. We don't understand it so, so beautifully or yes. so authentically because we are in this crazy rich nation consumerist world where we don't need to be thinking about that grassroots hands-on approach to living yes whereas other communities around the world absolutely that is their reality and they've been forced into that reality so and that's yes. what worries me because i'm, I'm, yet, I'm hearing though, you speak we're not in that situation yet and it's coming our way but how do we but that's that's why i feel finding the knowledge and bringing that knowledge the indigenous and all of that as part of you know because you see the problem that i've had with sometimes you know um you know when we talk about the march to progress is that we feel that our generation literally has all the answers and the previous generations don't have the answers because we have a better scientific uh, system of understanding and engaging the planet better than the previous generations or any other generation that's not using the tools that we're using you know but there are certain facts that i feel that it's good to bring it as part of you know and i feel that that is why you know the whole world you know technology has collapsed our you know time and space and geography and all of that here we are i'm sitting right now in a village in ghana when i go out there's a bunch of tribesmen with their drums and dancing and all of that and then you're in london and that shows that you know our times have changed and you know the concept of uh boundaries and walls have all kind of reorganized themselves and i think that you know it it it, it provides kind of um, opportunities for uh, new ways of doing things and I just I'm, ju I'm just a, a person that is very hopeful you know and I feel that the one way of even um, we're doing disservice to the new generation is by fanning uh, the, the, the hopelessness is by amplifying the fear you know as much as we need that to activate ourselves we need to be. We need to positively inspire the generation because we can see the anger on the street. Uh, on the streets, you can see the young people are angry. So our role is to inspire them with the hope that in that you know what, you know this is a hopeless situation. This is going to work because what we're doing is also towards that situation, and we are actually working together. So let's say Fridays, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, organizing you know, the Friday's uh, protest, then maybe the Friday's protest becomes a tree planting Friday for every youth around the world to plant trees on Friday, which the you energy- know, They will, they'll do it. Yeah, you can no, do no, it. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. But are we, are we going there with that conversation and interfacing with that? That's why I I'm saying that like... an idea like that could be, could be incredible, you know, yeah. and, and it would be part see, of the solution. I... Yes. I feel that the I feel like the kids um, I feel like the kids get that and I, I feel like they understand the need to have more of a relationship with nature and I feel like they are actually far more respectful of planetary boundaries than than my generation so I just wonder in terms of 
kind of us wanting to pass on that resilience to them. I wonder whether, what can we do for our own resilience? Um, you know, I think that the, the information, what we need to do uh, to create that resilience, um, the, the scientific aspects of it too, uh, and the research, and that knowledge base is all readily available to us. And I think that is the beauty of, uh, you know, going to a place like COP, you know, and sitting down and listening to somebody about some innovation in, you know, you know, in terms of forestry, you know, that, you know, is helping, you know, grow trees faster in a sustainable, clean way. Um, you know, somebody, you know, you, you see all these technologies, you know, solar technology where we don't need um, extractive materials like lithium and all of those other polluting aspects of uh, renewable energy, being able to solve those issues, you know, battery power, like all of these. I think that we have all of those. The, the issue, the problem is how do we dissociate ourselves from dwelling in fear yeah. to dwelling in the action that's it. that is required for us to solve it. That's and I think totally that's, that's why my whole thing is that the fear has to some extent uh, paralyzed us. You know, it's like we're holding a bowl of truth of the possibilities all in our own hands, but we sit there and we cower at the same place and we shake and we drive ourselves crazy because we just amplify the fear. And the children are feeling that way because if they feel we are fearful, they don't feel secure either. So stress of our fear of impending doom too. So all of us are world, you know, but here, here is the solution. The solution is that, first of all, this is the first generation that we've had more of local fear mm. than any other generation. You know, I can see an issue here and I can record it and then tweet it and within a short time, it will bring stress to your home whilst you're trying to deal with some people, you click and you're like, oh my God, something terrible happened in some village in Africa, you know, and then I, so are we exporting this fear is we have the ability to, through bits and bytes, amplify this fear. So micro fear situations are going macro, you know, and the children who, who have this technology too, because we have not mastered it enough to explain it to them, we just handed it to them. Yeah. So we are being bombarded by all this information. So what we need to do is to be able to step away from that because the, the, the overcoming the fear will be the first powerful thing that we can do in order to know what direction to go. But it will take effort and we need to act right now and we need to do that together because we are on the part of the generation doing the right thing and then putting the pressure to on you know all the you know the the actors who are going out there and only interested in you know perpetuating their old ways of their company still polluting and then using you know offsetting mechanisms and very fuzzy uh, and you know, and you know what? Of doing. And thinking about it, a lot of that is driven, I think, by fear as well, because they don't know anything yes. else. So it's like when the political yes. systems, like, well, I'm I'm the leader of this country. Don't talk to me about a revolution. I can't handle that because this is my position of power. Or if I'm producing fossil fuels and this is what I'm generating, this is me on my throne. All born out of fear. And I think you exactly. absolutely 
Right, Katie? Absolutely nailed what we're thinking here because yeah. that fear yes. is what we're feeling yes. as global and citizens. Our kids. And, and our we're looking kids. to our and leaders. Our kids, yeah. And our kids. That's and, what worries me most, you know, seeing yes. young people, you know, some really young kids with real climate anxiety. I mean, mm. obviously yes. it's different for children in, in other countries who are actually living through a climate emergency. But, yes. you know, the kids I'm dealing with in my life who are much less affected you know, who often can't sleep. I know some kids as young as seven who who are, you know, not eating because of climate anxiety. The rhetoric, the noise is so loud, I think, that we're not getting through it all. We actually need to put that aside and be like, this is a time for action, I think. Which is why, yeah. Rocky, when you said we need that space, we need to kind of put it aside and have that space. Yes. That's really refreshing for me to understand that like almost, oh, the fear, okay, the fear yeah. of my kids, the fear of me, yeah. then breathing yeah. out of it is yeah. what I'm the kind fear, of the fear, The fear is bigger than the problem. That's what I think. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The traditional yeah. setting that you speak of, your, your yeah. home, your roots. Yes. They'll have a perspective on what we're talking about here, right? They'll have a perspective and a philosophy on the climate crisis. What is that? Can you share that with us? I mean, I'm just wondering if that differs very much from what we're learning as creatives Yes. And what we're learning in the Western world to, to what they have seen and experienced and understand it to be. Um, well, you know, the thing is that they, um, in terms of when it comes to something like the climate, climate crisis, you know, I mean, that's a fancy word for, in terms of here, what happens? Let's say there's too much rain this year, things have changed. There's a lot of flooding or the sun is higher and hotter, you know, so it's more in terms of uh, your environment and the things that you can perceive and see. And obviously, most of these communities used to be very small and they're expanding. And uh, so they, their uh, requirements have become more. They need more energy uh, resources. They need more water resources. So. Uh, you have instances of, oh, okay, the place where we used to get water, you know, now is dry. We need to now, you know, dig a bigger well or, you know, have a much more bigger powered water delivery systems or go to solar or, you know. So there, I feel that uh, what is happening is that they, it's not something like people think of it as like some kind of crisis. Uh, they see it more in terms of the changes that are happening in the environment and, embrace uh, the ideas that can come and be part of the solutions, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's also um, allowing a point of conversation because we are also coming and saying climate crisis. And then it's like, what is climate crisis? And we're like, well, you know, things are changing. And this is what you can do. And this kind of energy, and this is what you can, uh, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And don't, don't use we uh, decides uh, for, all because all of a sudden nobody's tilling their land and using weedy sites and then when it rains it goes into your water and that's the mm. water that you're drinking and they'll be like what that's what do you mean i'm like yeah the chemicals that you are using for growing your food is the water that you're drinking they're like but how they like just look at it if you put it on the ground it rains the rain takes it goes to the place and this way they fetch the water and they bring it and they're like oh okay that's then that all of a sudden sense. it's like so yeah, so how, how do we solve it? Then they were like, okay, then that means that you have to stop that, you know? So I would say that it, it brings it to like certain basic conversational 
but you know that but you know rocky that's what that's what world leaders need to be doing it's so simple you said there's the problem here's Mm. the action there's the solution let's get on with it and more pragmatic as well it's more pragmatic yes it is let's go forward and just put just do it oh just do it put the money in there you know go go to places let's build huge solar farms let's plant trees and you know to to pull the carbon out of the air. Let's go to the Amazon and see what is wrong. You know, what has been mm. done wrong to the indigenous people. Let's fix it. You know, all of these things can be fixed as long as the interest and the sense of control and the greed doesn't direct the, the decision-making, you know? And I think that it's a, it's a moment of truth, you know? It's almost yes. like, you know, you're presented with the options, but the options to to get to the truth, you have to jump beyond your, you know, yourself, your greed, your interests, and then your advantages. What role do you think kind of art and music play in that? You know, we, we, we create agreement, you know, because we all deep within us, you know, music resonates. It's like the purest form of communication. It's non-judgmental. You know, it makes you feel good. It's really strikes a deep chord within us and you know and that happiness and agreement and love and appreciation and sharing energy i feel now can even be even more important for artistic voices that are genuine to help communicate the truth of where we are the truth Mm -hmm. of what we need to do uh and then have the empathy to to communicate it in a language and in a tone that can be comprehended and, mm. and spare action. And then dance, you know, sometimes you just need to lose. Be free. You know, yeah. be, be free. You know, and when I see like traditional dancers here, I was like, you know, that th- that's another thing too that we've lost in our modern society. So Apart from the people who go to the clubs, you know, those who go to the clubs, you see that, okay, they go there and they get, but as human beings, all of those things have things that we need for our, to be balanced. You know, to go out there and dance, but traditional comedy, they'll be drumming and dancing and, you know, mm-hmm. people lose themselves in just trancy ways of submitting to self, you know, loving self and going deep into appreciation, appreciating of just being able to breathe. And be alive, you know, appreciating oh, that. Rocky, we've mi- we've, we've lost yeah. that so much in our yes. culture. I often think yes. that kind of deep connectedness that you were talking about to nature, I feel like we've lost that in ourselves as well. We've lost that kind of connection of But we can get it, you know, and... it, it's like a switch. You know, it's not that hard to get it back. You know, it's mm. like, okay, let's, it's, it's, I call it resetting the mindset. You know, like if we reset the mindset to focus on positivity and work on ourselves and then wellness through embracing the positive and amplifying the good. Who's your inspiration when we talk about the environment and our passion for it? Who, who's really influenced you as an activist? You know, um, Wangari Matai, you know, who, for me, when it comes to African women and the power of belief, she was like one of the first, envir- when it comes to environment and, uh, and my uh, inspiration to go out there and become more of an activist. I'll say that Wangari Matai was a definitive shiro, as they say it, for- I completely agree. 
she's such a hero. What, what would she yeah. make of what would she make of the situation now? Do you think? Uh she will. She will think that. I mean, not really to try and speak for her, but she already warned us a long time ago. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she really did. So she she did to the point where she. You know, even in Kenya, where she will go and literally strip and go to trees, like ways of attracting attention and preventing things by throwing herself, her life, and everything just for the politicians and everybody from shock value to, okay, I will not mess with this right away. Like she fought with every weapon to defend the earth and also ignite our consciousness as to that response. And I feel that. That level of dedication and love for generations and truth that all kind of manifested in her actions. So, you know, so for me, she really, if there is a person that I will say that has inspired my activism in terms of the earth in the modern times, apart from my tribal and ethnic grooming, I'll say that she is this one guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Thank you for igniting our consciousness today, though. Oh, thank you. That's the incredible force of nature, Rocky Diwani, who really is one of the nicest people we've ever interviewed and someone who will definitely be tapping up for more soul advice. In the next episode, we speak to youth activist Clover Hogan on what parents are missing when grappling with the climate crisis and whether frustration from our young people can be channeled by adults into long-lasting change. Mum, Will the Planet Die Before I Do is a Corner Shop media production presented and produced by Babita Sharma, Katie Glasborough and edited by Nisha Patel.